HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. HRN has a brand new look, but we're sharing the same delicious stories. Invest in the future of food radio by becoming a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. We are here with Chris Bianco and Rob DiNapoli. Uh, we both, they've both been on individually in the past, but we really wanted to get them back together, so I appreciate so much that you're joining us together uh, because we want to talk a little bit about your relationship and how you kind of brought a unique product to market, uh, how you work together, how you see the world. Uh, I want to thank Rob right up front for all the work you're doing with the, with the These Hands movement. We A lot of times through a lot of the pizza talks that we've had, we've kind of done the shout out on These Hands because it's become almost like a, a mantra that people are, are you know declaring. But I don't think everybody understands too much about it. So I'd love to give you a chance again to kind of explain what was behind that. Uh, and then we could move into a little bit of how you and Chris, you know, are, are both pivoting in this current crisis and also how you're working together to build a new future. So, Rob, could you would you do me a favor? Just uh, explain for a couple of minutes what the These Hands movement is and and, uh, you know, what you hope to do with it. Yeah, sure. I, you know, since meeting Chris, I, I, I've spent a lot of time with a, a, an awful lot of pizza makers, passionate pizza makers. And, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, I, I just felt it, it was a good idea to shine the spotlight on, on those pizza makers. Um, they're the ones that are keeping my family in business, uh, their creativity, they're, you know, moving with the consumer preferences. And it just, Oh, I don't know. For just a lot of reasons, it, it it seemed. And Chris was one of those inspirations who always said, "Let's let's uh, shine the spotlight on those people that make it happen. Whether it's a grower, or it's a trucker that delivers the tomatoes, or it's the individual that comes each summer and sorts the tomatoes." It, it just seemed like a long, wonderful stream of 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 people that make it happen, including the, the final step is the pizza maker that takes our product and creates something that the consumer wants. And it, 
it, it seemed uh, it seemed appropriate that we should be talking about the hands that brought you the those tomatoes. And, and I think it's uniquely uh, American in a lot of ways, just the, the ability to do uh, like Chris coming to me and saying, let's do something unique. Let, let, you know, I, I, I love your tomatoes, your family's tomatoes, but let's try organic. Let's try to pick a grower that really sees the world like we do. And, and so he pushed me to, to look a little closer and, 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 and there you find that string of people and machinery and things that bring the, the tomatoes to market, but none of it would be possible without a pizza maker willing to, willing to try it, open the can, try it and create something with, with, with all of our work that we put into it. So that, that was the, that was it. You know, if, if, here I am at 60 years old. If there's a legacy that I, I want to perpetuate, it's that, you know, we're, we're in a really unique industry in which, if the consumer wants it uh, and somebody's willing to take a chance, we can make it happen. And, and, and that's what these hands are about. How did you come up with the with the name and image, these hands? I mean, it, it really grabbed the zeitgeist, so to speak. It captured the spirit of the times in, an, in a phrase. Uh, where did the phrase come from? Uh, that was John. That was John Arena, uh, right. uh, uh, the the Yoda of besides Chris, the Yoda of pizza making yeah. it, and he came up. Uh, he came up with it was so much fun. He came to uh, San Jose and gave a pizza class uh, for a friend of mine, uh, Enoteca Lestoria in San Jose. And at the end of the class, and everybody was just having a great time. They were mostly home pizza makers, and he said, "Look, I've taught you what what I can teach you in a." couple of days but remember this he goes it, it to, to to make a a really really a true artisan pizza you need three essential things and one was the right equipment number two was the right ingredients and number three was these hands uh -huh. nothing happens without these hands and it just it inspired me and 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 i realized i'm not a pizza maker not even close but it it, it just it inspired me to 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 think it, it all comes together with these hands. And of course, with me, it being a tomato canner, I was thinking of the hands prior to it getting to that home pizza maker or that pizza chef. I was thinking about all the hands that 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 are involved, all the people I, I know that bring the tomato to market. Um, and so I, I wanted to turn that spotlight to and, and take a look at them and, and hopefully inspire them to do a great job. It's funny when that when that light flash goes off and you, you hear something and you go, that's it. You just you just captured it in a in a moment, and then you can do something with it. It's it's yeah. kind of cool that it, it developed into something that is now kind of sweeping the the country as as an anthem. Well, we hope so. I hope it inspires other pizza makers to do what they think their customers need. And and I, I think there's a lot of manufacturers like Chris and I that that will bring products to market. You know, it will inspire us to go back to our factory and figure out what works for a Roman style pizza and a Neapolitan style pizza and, a, um, you know, a St. Louis bar pizza. Um, it, it, it's all good if the consumer wants it. Uh, and somebody like Chris, who spoke loudly enough to me, uh, you know, at 45, almost 50 years old, I thought I had seen everything. I, 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 I canned everything that could be canned. But, you know, a, a pizza maker um, talking with a manufacturer, uh, things can happen if they speak loud enough and they inspire those those manufacturers. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more, because in, in both of our previous you know uh, episodes, you each talked about it kind of like, you know, you're you're from your side of it. But now that you're both here, can you can you kind of like uh, tag team a little bit and, and talk about that collaborative adventure that you've been on and, and how you 
ideate and come up with, you know, like the right questions to ask and the solutions. Well, gee, it started. I maybe I should start it because I was the one that that took a chance after um, uh, hearing that Chris won a, a, a James Beard Award, and here I was with my humble can of tomatoes, knocking on the back door, taking a chance. Despite my mother saying, "Are you sure you want to go down there?" He swears a lot. I, I saw his I saw his YouTube video. And uh, um, and I was very intimidated. I mean, let's face it. I I, I had I, like I used to say I I probably sold 10 million cases of tomatoes over my career up until the point I, I met Chris. But I really had never met a chef except for the 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 pizza maker or chef that was that I'd frequent in in um, uh, around town. I, I was making headquarter calls on the the Domino's pizza and the Little Caesars and and forming and formulating their sauce. So I went down and knocked on uh, the back of Chris's door at um, uh, on Adams, and his brother answered the the door, and he was full of uh, flour. And I didn't really know who was who, but I said, "Oh, you must be Chris Bianco. I'd like to show you my family's tomatoes." And and Marco said, "Oh no, I'm not Chris. I'm Chris's brother." Um, but you're welcome. Um, uh, you're welcome to come back later and meet Chris. Well, I didn't really. I thought that was enough. I wanted to just give him the can and have Chris look at it. Uh, but but Marco said, well, you know, he, he'll he'll take the can. But you know, if you really want uh, him to take a good look at, it, you'll come back and meet him because Chris is the type of person that wants to know who's behind the product. So again, I built up my nerve and came back uh, that dinner service, got a table a spot at the bar, and that, at that point, Chris was making every pizza at um, a Pizzeria Bianco, and it just opened Pane Bianco, so I was sensitive that he needed to get up early and uh, go make uh, a bread, uh, fugacha bread, for his two sandwiches that he used to make it, uh, or uh, makes it Pane Bianco. Anyway, I was there, caught Chris's eye, and um, sure enough, he stuck around uh, after service. He said, come on back, you know, stick around 10 o'clock, I get off, and we'll talk. I think it was well past it was well past midnight, maybe approaching one o'clock, and we just really got into it with <laughs> ingredients and oh, I was so inspired after that. So that that's what started it. I don't know what was going through Chris's head uh, besides taking <laughs> care of making a hundred pizzas by himself in back of that in front of that that oven. But that's what I remember started. when we when we last talked, Chris, we mentioned that your brother Marco is kind of like the secret weapon at Peter and Bianca, the, the, and it's the unknown brother, so to speak, except for the people yeah, that know you guys. And he's, uh, he's well, behind everything, there's, you know, there's something twice as good, and, and, and definitely in my case, my brother and my whole team, you know, my, you know, I always had the easiest job, you know. Um, well, back then, it was probably, you know, with me and another guy, we were averaging about 250 pizzas a night. And the way we could do that is is because I had such a great team that really, you know, put me in a position that I have a very narrow skill set. I still do. <laughs> and um, I think when you understand your limitations and, you know, maybe if you have anything you, you're, you're decent at, you know, you, the people around you are, are, have the humility and, and the wherewithal to put you in a position to succeed. I mean, just like a basketball team, you know, that, that, you know, great rebounder guy can't shoot. Well, you put a shooter and you put a rebounder. I mean, that was our team, you know, yeah. um, uh, and all, all players. Yeah. And, and I think our, our business, you know, no matter what, I mean, going back to the name of it, I mean, Peter Bianco was, was, uh, uh, was kind of, a. uh, 
was, was was the last resort because I had all these cool names, you know, for the pizzeria back in the in the mid '80s when I was thinking about it, and and finally I you know I was gonna call it Nonzana was my idea, and, and I drew this eggplant and it was you know it was you know I loved eggplant parm or whatever whatever the idea was, and I found it you know I showed somebody the image and. And they stared at it, and I waited 30 seconds, and I had explained to them what it was, and you know whatever. And I always, I always thought like, if I, it's like tell, asking somebody, if you, you, you know, do you love me? Yeah, right. of, you know? And I think you so don't want that. You don't want a quiet pause. You want a quick answer. Yeah, it's like you know, I always say in business, like who it is, what it is, what do you do, and when do you do it? People are already, especially that's pre-internet and you know swiping. Now they're really gone, but. Back then, they only had so much time to tell you who you were, and you know, it was a pizzeria. You know, it, you know, at, at that time, you know, it was. I mean, I was the. It was. I was the idiot. You know, doing it, and uh, there was nothing really to figure out. It was. It was pretty. There was no. Oh, let me go to my. Uh, you know, I tested this name, or I tested this. Uh, you know. You know, it was just something that that all came together. But we're, really, what it's about. You know, like even today, Pietro Bianco is 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 an ideal. You know, it, it's it's you know, you know, and fast forward even into the tomatoes that we do. Like being a part of other people's lives is, I think, you know, whatever your spirituality is. I don't think there's anything more meaning. You know, can bring as much uh, satisfaction of being a part of something else. You know, um, you know, no man's an island, and it, you know. Living on a deserted one, uh, well, kind of as I'm locked down here right now, is not a lot of fun. So being a part of people's yeah. lives, yeah. you know, my team's life, my brother's life, my family's life, and and now through our tomato business and through these hands and through these hearts, I would say, and souls, that we're, we're, we're able to, you know, as a collective, take things to, uh, you know, a level that wasn't presented to me when I started, you know, this business. And, you know, everything takes a village and then some. So, um, when you guys first met, uh, as Rob was describing that first meeting and then him staying that night and just kind of you guys talking, can you take us inside that a little bit? Was it, were there some kind of like aha moments that, that where you saw, wait, we can actually create something together? Well, I would say, um, I'm in the, I'm in the relationship business. That's my business. I, I told you that before, you know, I, I don't really put much stock in, you know, anything else, but, you know, um, it's, it's like, um, I'm always looking at the humanity of a situation and, and, you know, especially in business or relationships and Rob was someone that, you know, and I don't embarrass him or anything, but he really is one, like one of the sweetest, most sincere, honest people, you know, he's kind of like the Andy Taylor uh, you know, of, of our industry where he just wants to make everything, you know, he's very passive, in, in a, in, but it also has a great amount of strength that he can get things done. Uh-huh. So I think... Does that make you Opie? If he's Andy, are you Opie? I'm more like, I'm probably more of a combination of Opie and Don Knotts, you know? Barney Fife. Barney Fife would be my thing a little bit, I guess, maybe more appropriate with my one bullet in my pocket. But... Uh, I, I think, you know, as I look back on it, you know, in that first meeting, you know, I, I wasn't interested. It wasn't my first, you know, time, you know, uh, uh, like there was no agenda of, of anything else. Like, 
I, I opened a lot of cans of tomatoes over my life and growing up in New York and, you know, in the Bronx where, you know, the deli shelves and, the, you know, uh, whether it was, it, it, you know, uh, it to tell brothers or, or you know, it, it, um, you know, uh, any of the great delis in New York, Mike's Deli, you know, they had all the great cans from Italy. Um, there was no shortage of those. And I think the great ones are, of those are still great. But my opportunity was, or my my hope was, and still was, was in talking to Rob, like hearing his story. I'm more about when you come see me, I'm like, you know, forget what I do. What do you do? And where are you from? You know, yeah. and, and what do you like? And what makes you tick? And I think diving into Rob's life, you know, hearing about San Jose and, and the tomato industry as the Italians came to, you know, to America and the Capodino family and all these families that you heard about and how they affected. And they came to this place because they saw it was, it was, it was as much God's country as anywhere else to grow a premium product. And, you know, what I, what I hope was, as I always hope is, is no man is an Island. You know, one of my greatest, you know, uh, uh, gifts or, 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 or I would say, um, you know, just, uh, satisfaction is being, you know, being all the friends that I have in our industry, all the great young chefs that inspire me, uh, you know, uh, you know, the list is much too long. So, so understanding their struggle, understanding, you know, all the things I heard when I started out, you got to use this, you got to use this, you got to use this. And my question ever since, you know, I was a kid that wanted to turn around the cereal box. I wanted to see what was in the, you know, you know, what was in the fruit loops. And I noticed there was probably not too much fruit in it. No, it's no judgment. <laughs> but but right. but that's when we did our tomato can, you know, flashing forward. Not only was it important that my dad did the art to tell that story of the tomato, and we had to make sure we got the exact tomato, you know, on the can, those two versions of that. But it was also the story about you know, if you look at our can, you know, the art is on the front and I wanted you to pick it up and then, and then read the story. Yeah. I wanted you, we wanted you to get it in your hands so you can see things are important. Like, here's the grower. Here's not just the use-by date. Here's the packed-on date. You know, here's what's in it, you know, and it's, you know, tomatoes and, 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 and you know, and basil. And, and, and that was it. And I remember the, I won't say the store, I won't embarrass them, but I remember we were in, a, in, a, in an opening of, uh, of, you know, putting some tomatoes on the shelf. And I asked that guy in charge what his favorite tomato was. And he picked a can at that time. And I won't say what it was, but I just asked him to turn the can around and read the ingredients. And I'll just say there was, there was quite a few ingredients other than tomatoes in that can. And, and uh, I always, you know, it's just like with people. Like we want to, you know, like when we look at the surface of something, we look at the label, you know, someone's whatever, you know, color of their skin or their religious preference or their whatever. We're 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 getting uh, the smallest snippet of, of of the reality, and I think all those things are metaphorical to, you know, uh, to everything. You know, yeah. go deeper, look beyond that, look inside that. You know, does it taste good, but is it good? You know, what makes good things good? That was my life's work. What made good things good? What made a tray comfortable? What made a tray good? Well, it had to be comfortable, but it had to have utility because, you know, um, I've been in business now 32 years. Having somebody sit on a broken chair 
and get a call from, uh, you know, an attorney that I was negligent is not the call you want to get. So everything matters. You know, everything uh, in my life had a, had a personal, you know, life's personal. You know, this experience is personal. And my relationship with Rob was sitting down with him. I could see that his journey was something like, I'm always fascinated with people that don't have to do things. And I saw Rob had a good life. You know, he, his family worked incredibly hard. He could have been doing well enough, you know, selling his tomatoes, which were very, very good. They were still great. I'm saying that. I said, if you want to come with me, you know, you know, uh, or if I, you want me to use my tomatoes, we're going to have to dive into this a little bit deeper. And then I'll tell, let him tell you the rest of the story. But, you know, a couple of years later, you know, he said, hey, what if we do something together? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't my first opportunity to, you know, I didn't, I wasn't interested and I'm still interested in putting my name on something, but I am interested in putting my soul and my heart and my life's work and my whatever experience I have in something. And letting that be speak for itself. So, well, let you know, me, let me jump let me jump in for a second and, and ask Rob at this point, since you, as what we're hearing from Chris now is probably a lot of kind of what you were learning about him as you sat down and got to talk and know him a little bit better. What was going on in your head then when you started to see a vision that he was unfolding for you about what it would mean? He was just looking for the door. I think. I think he was looking. For the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that after a couple of glasses of wine, he was happy to sit there and talk all night. <laughs> yeah, no, night. it was. I would have never left if I if if Chris didn't have to get up and and make the make the dough for the next day. But really, what uh, you know, my friend who's still in the business, and we used to ski together, and and uh, I used to just bend his ear the whole way up, you know, on our weekend trips up skiing. I said, we I got to figure this out. But you know, I had been trained for efficiency. I had been trained to, for volume. Um, uh, we we had several people experiment in the organic field, and, and you know it's difficult. Organics into a tomato canary is difficult. It's not like bringing organic tomatoes into a supermarket when mm-hmm. when they're ready, you just harvest them and you go find a spot for them in the supermarket, um, the produce section. Here we have to time them so that they fit in. Uh, like a puzzle in terms of the date, the window that we have, and it always was. It it, it would it appeared inefficient, but uh, but Chris is Chris, and and uh, you know I just felt like if there was if if we could do it, this was the time to do it. Um, and he used to talk about connecting the dots and and also shining that spotlight so that the grower has confidence that he can go in and do something special and that we would recognize him at the end. And it wasn't so much, you know, it, w- it was it was really about, you know, just just turning the used to talk about turning the aircraft carrier. You know, you don't you don't make a U-turn with it. You just you just push it along. And, you know, after, after 10 years together, we've seen what's happened. We've seen the efficiencies out in the field and, and the confidence that the grower now has to, to grow great varieties for us. But, but in my head, there was a lot of resistance because I was, I grew up in a, in a, you know, an efficiency method. Um, but finally, my friend who was uh, getting tired of listening to me talk every time we drive up there, he, he was working for Olam Canry at the time, and they had a field of tomatoes that they didn't know what to do with. They were plum tomatoes, organically grown, and something in the marketing didn't work. They had no place for them. And I got a call from my friend. He goes, you know, you've been bending my ear for this long. Now's your chance. There's a field out there. It's three weeks from harvest. Uh, maybe um, this is the time you ought to go out and, and harvest those tomatoes. So I was all excited. It had been two years since Chris and I had met. I called him up 
And sure enough, Chris said, you know, it's it's time I get a, a chance to step away from the oven. I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing it just a bit, but I think at that time, Chris, your asthma was acting up. And he said, I'm going to really, I want to teach somebody to, to make the pizza so I can come out to California and work with you on, on getting these tomatoes produced. So really the stars lined up, the field was right. We got that first pack put up. It was beautiful. Uh, uh, Chris was like, a, uh, you talk about cartoon characters. He was the Tasmanian devil in the Camry running around and, you know, <laughs> the, wanting this, wanting that. And, 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 and the Camry was ready for him. They had gone on YouTube too and seen his enthusiasm about, about uh, ingredients. Like a candy store at this point. You got oh, yeah. <laughs> tomatoes at your beck and call. It was uh, so inspiring from the person loading the cans to the basil dropper, wanted three basil leaves and, and just enough salt, Pacific sea salt. So it was it was a lot of fun. And and at the end, we produced about 300 extra cases. The intention was to just put up what Chris would need and, and then take a deep breath and see what happened. We, we, we produced about 300 extra cases. I said, well, Chris, what should we do with them? And he pulled out a piece of paper and he wrote down his friends' names and, yeah. and, and phone numbers. And and they were all like the top, you know, it was the Nancy uh, Silverton and and uh, Judy Rogers at, yeah. at Zuni and, and you know, really all his friends around the country. So, yeah. Well, me, and me, basically, me, basically me, everybody said, well, of course. I want to yeah. pause for a second because we're going to come back for uh, another episode in a second or a second, second segment. Uh, but before we run out of time on this segment, because um, I could hear the story, I think it's phenomenal for us to be able to hear sort of behind the scenes, the, the process of an idea to manifestation and how it doesn't happen overnight, that spark might happen, but it takes a couple of years till you get the first tomato in the can. And this is in itself, I think an important lesson for our viewers, but I do want to thank you personally, Rob, for uh, all the support, not only for creating the These Hands Movement, uh, your support of Pizza Quest and of Pizza Talk. Uh, you were one of our very first sponsors way back uh, before, I think maybe just when you and Chris were just starting to talk, you came in and, and helped us get Pizza Quest off the ground. And you've been support of the whole industry, even though you're in a competitive industry with a lot of you know uh, other great products out there. You've always been, in my mind, a little bit ahead, a visionary in terms of seeing a bigger picture, a different picture, and being able to think outside the box. And maybe maybe your conversation with Chris was part of that, yeah. that gener you know, that sort of evolution for yourself. But I just wanted to personally thank you while we have you here, you know, for being a big oh. part of our own existence and our success as well. Um, and of course, my pleasure. And I feel the same way about Chris. Of course, the success of my first pizza book is mainly because of the story where Chris takes center stage in, in that story about about sort of the uh, emerging artisan pizza movement and how you know you, you were on the verge of becoming, in a sense, the poster boy of the artisan pizza movement. So uh, that book only so I could get darts thrown at me. Maybe that poster, but I don't know. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Well, who knows? Maybe something. But but uh, I think part of what makes you such a beloved person within the uh, within the community, the pizza community, so to speak, and the artisan community is because, again, it's not just about your business. It's about this something else, this, this genuineness, the relationship, the fact that you're in the relationship business and not just the pizza business. I think relationships is what makes people connect with you at that soul level. And, uh, and the well, fact it's that everything. It's, it's everything. I mean, that there's not, there's really nothing else that matters. And I think that, you know, it's like, you know, 
buying from your farmers, you know, buying something from your farmers, you know, it's, it's, it's making sure that there's enough meat on the bone financially for them to exist, you know, understanding what things cost at every level, um, you know, so we can really like understand the value and we can pass that on to the consumer. Like that's, that'll be a whole another segment, which we need to have better conversations for what, you know, what things cost because our, our, you know, part of our, you know, what's broken now, uh, you know, through this virus is almost a microcosm, which was a kind of a hidden broken industry, which, which is the restaurant industry. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, right now is, is a way for us to build a new infrastructure of that through re- real honest conversation. Let's talk about some more of that when we come back for our next segment. Because I want to I'll keep get more as long as you guys can give us some time today. Uh, and thank you again. And for those who are watching, please come back for the next segment uh, of Pizza Talk. We've got Chris Bianco, Rob DiNapoli. Uh, again, thanks for being here for this one. We'll see you in the next segment. Thanks. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. HRN is excited to unveil the new look of food radio. We have a new brand identity and a new website. Our site makes it easier than ever to discover new podcasts and to dig through our archive of over 15,000 episodes. It's been 11 years since HRN started broadcasting food radio, and we've made it this far thanks to the support of our global listening community. It's because of member donations that this show is on the air, along with 40 other weekly shows. Your contributions gave HRN the security we needed to stay on the airwaves during the pandemic and are allowing us to reopen our studio in Roberta's. Becoming a monthly sustaining member of HRN shows us how much food radio means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome back to Pizza Talk. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and I'm here with two of our favorite people, Rob DiNapoli of DiNapoli Tomatoes and the These Hands Movement, which we talked about in our last segment. So uh, if you aren't up to speed on that, please uh, listen to that segment uh, because it's a, t- a phrase and a term you'll hear a lot of. And with Chris Bianco, uh, the, <laughs> the uh, Pizzeria Bianco, as we referred earlier, the, the poster boy with all the darts in it uh, for the artisan pizza. <laughs> But we've been really having a... Maybe that's just in my house, Peter. Maybe that's just in my house. <laughs> the dart's are only in my house. Every, everybody's on the dartboard of their own house, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we, I thought uh, in our last segment, we, were, we had a really uh, important and thoughtful conversation, I think, about the coming together of two kindred spirits um, that share values that not only had a great idea uh, and were in the right place at the right time, but pieces fell into place. I mean, there's some serendipity here because it took two years from that first conversation till the, the actual tomatoes became available and an opportunity became available. And that's serendipity. I mean, that field wasn't planned, right, Rob? I mean, you were talking about a tomato field that became available to you yeah. uh, unexpectedly. And suddenly all the pieces fell into place. And this collaboration kind of kicked into another gear. And I'd love to spend some time in this segment talking about how you guys do continue to bring this along. How you collaborate? I know Chris is very hands-on, so you're up there actually canning the tomatoes with Rob, and what that's like for you, and and the thing, the kind of things that come up in conversation around all of that. Um, well, I think one of the biggest things for me was, um, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, the the, the relationship aspect of it, and and Rob is just a guy that, um, 
you know, I got to know his family, which, you know, his dad, you know, I'm sure he's looking down on Rob, incredibly proud. Um, you know, just someone that, uh, you know, you know, as I have kids now, and I, I wonder what, you know, any, if any legacy that, that, that we'll have, anybody's crazy enough to stay in his business, anybody's, you know, you know, will they care about the pantry, you know, the way, you know, we feel that it's, it's important that we have the access to, you know, the blessings of this world. So I think, you know, Rob was somebody that I saw where, you know, we had access to, to, you know, to, to, you know, God's good earth. We had access to people that cared, farmers that, and families that, that all they needed was a conversation. And that's what, you know, it's funny, another buddy of mine, uh, Herb Eckhouse, that has La Puerta Prosciutto in Iowa. I remember probably about 15 years ago going back to visit Herb when I first heard about his prosciutto. And I remember saying, hey, man, can we, I want to I want to come out. And I remember I went to the Iowa State Fair and, and uh, uh, you know, he, he was he was doing samples of prosciutto, which people were like, uh, you know, you know, uh, we know we had pigs there, but they weren't sure about the prosciutto. And I, but it was amazing stuff. And I remember going to a, a, a you know, a pig farmer there that was reading uh, Berkshire pigs and um, on really good earth. And, you know, his 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 systems um, that were, uh, you know, um, you know, built for better animals, built for better, you know, uh, conditions. And, and, and ultimately, that's what made good for good. And I remember him saying, like, you know, at that time, you know, nobody really on the both ends of the spectrum really came out. Like, you know, he get orders for pigs and chefs would get orders for prosciutto, but rarely the, the two would meet in the middle at the source, understanding what we could do to make that, you know, we know what makes good things good, but what do we do when, like, I, I'm never above reproach. Our tomatoes should never be above reproach, you know? So every year that we look at, whether it's, you know, switching back to tomatoes, you know, like talking to, you know, um, smart people, uh, you know, um, learning about, you know, crop rotation, learning about, you know, the, the, you know, how important the passivity of the soil is that if we grew hard red spring last year, that, you know, that that not only gave the earth what it needed to feed those tomatoes, but it created a system where the roots could get down to where Mother Nature intended. And so I know as a young chef, or even as a, just a kid, you know, growing up, you know, being born in the Bronx and grabbing tomatoes off the shelves from this far, far away place in Italy, which, which I still love, and they're still great. Um, I wanted to maybe be a part of something. And I think all of us, again, want to be a part of like like in most spirituality you know for you know uh, most heavens are a collective of good souls you know so i think you know shelves are a collective of, of good it should be or could be a collection of, of good intention if you're able to make it to a shelf hopefully you're, you're ready for a reckoning you know you're ready to be sifted through you're ready for people to turn your can around and look at you and and i always felt that you know it's funny because uh, I mean, I, you know, if you, if you grab me, I'm happy to talk, but you know, back in the day, I just stood behind the counter and, and, and worked and, you know, I'd never leave. The, I wouldn't even go out to the dining room, you know, until after shift because I was so, you know, and I'm still uh, uh, haunted by, you know, having the perception that I would let you down or, or, I, or, or you weren't important enough or whatever it was. I wanted to like, the more little bit of success I had, the more that I felt, you know, that 
the, the you know the deep uh, intention and you know that I owed you and I owe you something for 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 um, for hoping that there was something good in the world and you know I knew that anything good that I had was was a collection of of others good of others intention of others knowledge they share with me or ingredients so being able now fast forward to be part of you know the new thoughts you know of, of, of you know or whether it's uh you know dan at raza or, or you know, nancy at moza or you know we have so many you know supporters that i'm in, uh you know sarah in, in oregon uh you know all these great young uh you know people dedicated you know to doing something better than they found it and i think you know what keeps me inspired and keep me young you know, I would say not being the party, but being invited to that party. <laughs> and I think that's the way I see like these hands with 10 fingers, not one finger in, in those fingers resent, you know, like, you know, like countries or villages, they represent a lot of, of, of things that make it move. You know, even these hands, you know, it, it takes a lot to make it all move and grab things and hold on tight to them. So, so, um, you know, at the at the end of the day, as I look and have a lot of time during this time that we're in right now to think about what matters, think about what we'll hold on to when we get through this. And we'll get through it with or without us. Personally, we're, you know, the world's going to get through this, you know, and, um, and understanding that if we are blessed to get through this, what world do we want to come back to? What do we want to put in our pantries? What do we want to put on our on our pizza? What do we want to invite into our homes, our, 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 our news feeds, our whatever? What, we'll become more diligent. We'll, you know, we'll learn to ask better questions. And anytime I was blessed to have, a, you know, an interview, I was at two speeds. You know, I wish he'd say something or I wish he'd shut the hell up, you know? <laughs> you know? And um, on, the, on the opportunity that I was, you know, like I am now speaking, I do want, I do felt that, um, and I do feel that the people that tell stories, the, the journalists of the world or, or people that are broadcasting something, like we have a responsibility to be truthful and to be honest and be vulnerable. Um, and, and we are willing to answer the very difficult questions in any, on any questions and let, you know, whatever chips fall where they may. So, um, you know, you know, the jury's always out, you know, yeah. you know, every, every season, every, every time we can tomatoes, it's like, you know, it's, it is just like, it is like wine in that way where even though, you know, it's all kind of Beaujolais Nouveau, it's all we're, we're having that, that season and it's new wine. Um, it, it's a collection of, of, of that time in our world. And I look at things like that of the source and where it comes from in California and, and just like I would look at something that came from Italy or, or Chile or Spain or whatever, um, we're now part of that community and those people. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, good luck editing but, that. Peter. But I think, but I think that what you point to is, is that uh, again, finding the right partner in this enterprise is somebody who has that the same sort of intuitive uh, kindredness that you have to of everything you just expressed. Uh, and here you've got a guy who, who's doing the tomato side of it. What have you learned? What have you guys learned together? Maybe Rob, you can uh, take the first stab at this. Since you've had now a number of harvests and you've put a number of tomatoes in the cans, now you started with one field. 
How many fields yeah. do you have now? And what have you learned based on what Chris was talking about in terms of understanding the root structure and what the soil needs? And this is, what are some of the lessons that you've taken away over these few years and where is it going? Wow. Um, you know, we, we uh, Chris and I, we don't do a lot of planning. It's more out of necessity. <laughs> I, I think, you know, if I, if I see our line now, it started as one product, whole peeled tomatoes in the, in the classic gold can that remains today. But we now have seven, we have seven uh, different products. And there's a story behind each one of those, mostly based on necessity. But, but this, um, well, let's just say it's the perfect partnership because uh, when Chris and I met, I don't think Chris knew much about processing tomatoes and I knew absolutely nothing about pizza making. Uh, and as we sit here now, uh, almost 10 years later, Chris knows a lot about tomatoes and processing, and I still know very, very little about pizza <laughs> making. But, but I know enough that when Chris says this is the right thing, then I go wholeheartedly to produce that product. And I, I again, each of the items that we've created over the years um, has been a, a combination of, of, of a demand and necessity at the plant. You know, we had a situation in which there were a lot of ripe tomatoes and coming in. We, we always wanted to have those tomatoes to be sweet and ripe. But Chris and I are staying over the sorting line and they're broken. And it's like, uh, you know, immediately I know what Chris is thinking. He's going, we just came from the farmer. Scott Parks worked hard for these tomatoes. Now they get in here and they're broken. They're all going to a, a tomato paste or, or a, what we would call a byproduct, you know, not, not something that can be fully utilized by the pizzeria. So we came up with the idea of a, of a rustic crush to, to emulate what Chris does in the restaurant and break them up by hand. And so we took those broken ripe tomatoes and we created a product with it. And, and I think it, at each, at each new product, there, there was a story like that. Most recently we created a prepared sauce because one of our great customers was expanding rapidly and they were using our product, but they were having to mix two, the two products together to make their, their product and add some, some ingredients. And, and uh, Chris sat down with the chef there and we came up with a product that they could open up the can and use directly uh, onto their sauce and, and their pizza. And, and then that became an item that others loved and it's growing rapidly. And, and so it was really, a, it, it was a come together and what is the market need and what can we, what can we do there at the cannery? And I, I think it's the, if, if there's an example for others and in partnerships, it's, you know, find the right partners based on your respect for one another and they don't have to know each other's business, that will come later. But I've got, you know, 110% confidence that if Chris says, stop here, this is where we, this, this, this is what can be uh, used, then that's exactly where I stop. I, I don't second guess, I, I don't second guess him. And it's been a joy when we go in to see some of the customers when we're out there, and they say, Chris, you know, what do I do with this product? It's usually a 10 second conversation. You know, it's a, like bruise a couple of basil leaves, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil, you're done. And um, it's great. It's great to see the simplicity. And, and, and Chris is thinking about the making of the pizza. And I don't have to overthink the, the, the product. As the, as the brand itself has grown and people, more people want it, how many, how many acres or, and how do you calculate the tonnage, whatever, of, of how much you're growing now versus that first year when you had one field that, that just happened to be available? And how do you find new fields and farmers to be able to produce to your, 
needs. Well, I, I think I, I don't think there's a farmer in California that doesn't know Chris Bianco. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure they know of me, but now they know of Chris because of that shining the spotlight back on on uh, first Cliff Fong, then Scott Parks. Now we've got uh, Nick Marcini um, in, in Fresno. We're starting to move south. Um, and we've got Ernie Costamano that's growing for us. So there, there really has not been a problem with, with expanding uh, people that want to grow. We want to pick the right partners as we move to expand the line. And we are expanding the line. I, I think. Um, I think there is, you know, Chris lives in the restaurant world and I'm, I'm living the canning world, but you know, the retail, everything that we lost in the restaurant, from my perspective uh, as a marketer, what we lost at the restaurants, we gained at retail. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a seasonal product, it takes us a year or two to catch up. But I think that um, I, I think there's more and more home chefs. There's people that want to emulate what Chris and other great pizza makers do at the restaurants. Uh, they're not giving up on pizza, um, and and a lot of them are going home and making pizza. So we're preparing a, a, a big push to to provide the consumer with retail products that's as good as the restaurants have been receiving, which has to, to date has not been the case. The quality of the retail product on the supermarket shelves never compared to what um, what we presented to the the restaurants Restaurant. and the yeah. food service. So uh, now that you have the the volume to be able to service the retail, uh, what do you, Chris had mentioned earlier about you know the shout outs and the and giving credit to the growers themselves. Do you tell the story? Uh, on the cans, a little bit about who's growing for you and what what they. We do. Oh yeah, that's that's been part of it. Is connect the dots. That's what Chris said right out of the box, and we put it on our mission statement. So whenever we can, and we have the ability to, we we go. We want to shout out to the grower, the processor, all the people, the hands in between the field and the the home chef. And, and let me ask Chris this: When you go up for for the processing period, and do you pretty much go every year during when it's when it's canning time? Uh, yeah, I drive everybody crazy. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. But but uh, but what are you looking for then when when you're looking at the line and and uh, and how do you say okay this one didn't make the cut? What is it that that's that's clicking in your mind that's telling you that? Well, I think there's a lot there's a lot of um, factors that go into that. It's it's. There is one similarity in the restaurant business in the canning side um, or in the harvest side, is which is, you know, um, you, you do your due diligence and you make your commitment and then you have to go for it. So for us, the first thing we do, whether it's the viscosity of the pack or, you know, the, the, you know, the, the sweetness profile that we want or the salinity, you know, first you have to recognize your, um, you know, you have to recognize your goal like in anything else, like you're making a pizza, well, uh, what kind do I want to make? You know, what, 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 am, what am I looking to achieve? Crisp, thickness, neo-neapolitan, neopolitan. So for us, we have a certain profile and criteria that we look for. And then we're looking through, like I said, you know, obviously, you know, color and structure, you know, some of those, what Rob was saying on the crush side, which was, as you see, like, you know, the lorries of, of trucks, you know, come filled with the tomatoes. Well, you know, the better they are, the more vulnerable, just like in life, the better they are, the more vulnerable things are. And, you know, those tomatoes are on the bottom of, 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 of those big trucks, you know, as they came out and they got crushed. Um, 
I'm thinking that, you know, those are the ones that I want for sauce. Where years ago, you know, and Rob can talk about that later, but, you know, back in the day, you know, salesmen used to come into us and do like cuttings. Where a, fret, where a canned tomato, you know, its selling point would be how much it looks like a fresh tomato. Well, it's not a fresh tomato. It's a canned product. It's a, it's, it's a preserved product. And then that is to be celebrated, that, art, that artisan, like, process. You know, and now we're learning that through charcuterie and, and, and through, um, you know, all types of things that are, you know, uh, that are preserved, you know, fish or meat or whatever, um, that it's not just about the celebration when something is picked off the vine. You know, it's changed and it's different. How do we harness that? You know, just like, just like when I first started, I was like, no, we're not going to put any basil. I just want tomatoes in the can. And that's it. And it was funny during the harvest, you know, you smell, you know, the vines yeah. and you really smell the vines, which were the flavor, you know, like a tomato that's, that's picked, you know, there's a certain amount of aroma, but most of it is all in that vine. And most of it all is in that, that yeah. first headiness of, of, of what we recognize, you know, from that uh, almost, uh, kind of aromatherapy of, 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 of harvest, of right. whether it's your grandfather's garden, right. you know, it, whatever. It's indelible impression in your, in your memory, that aroma never leaves you. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, Heston Blumenthal uh, in, in, in London did a great um, story and a study on, uh, like, I think it was called Perfection. It was, they did it on a hamburger, a tomato sauce, certain things. And his uh, study on tomatoes, I thought was spot on where, you know, he always, like, had one recipe where, if possible, if you're harvesting fresh tomatoes late in the season at your home, you know, throw a little bit of those vines in, in with that sauce, you know, almost like a kind of bouquet garni kind of thing, and obviously take it out before you eat it. But 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 that's flavor and achieving that, and you and you realize, you know, kind of like when Italians came to New York, you know, maybe the the, the espresso didn't have this the the, the, the the acidity or the bitterness they were used to in their roast back in Naples or, or, or back in Italy. So what did they do? Well, they rubbed the, uh, you know, lemon rind on it and they created that, you know, for themselves. They, they achieved that in a way. And I remember going back to Italy when I was 13 and I remember like my dad ordering a coffee or my uncles and there's no lemon. And, it, and they looked at me like I was crazy. But so, so the, the, the adaptation of, that is 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 an immigrant's journey, yeah, you know, yeah. which is which is part of our whole story, um, and and the adaptation of that. Like we're not in Italy, we're in America, you know. To, these tomatoes are discovered in Chiapas, Mexico, or in Chile, and now we learn that, like, which is a great message that wherever you are, there's something good there, and we want to do our best to 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 um, to illuminate that. Like like Rob said, to shine that light on it. Yeah. So are you and, saying that, uh, you know, that one of the one of the hacks, so to speak, of uh, recreating that that original experience that, that that comes with the vines is to put some basil in the can exactly, because exactly. it brings a little bit of that aromaticity to it. Yeah, and that's one part of the process that is still hand done. You know, um, they're steam peeled through very uh, you know uh, high tech machinery that, that reserves most of the lycopene, which is not only cancer fighting but but, but allows for most of the color of the tomato, which is right against that skin. Mm -hmm. So now we have, like, like where technology 
instead of using chemicals like live peeled, they're steam peeled, but there's also the way they're peeled, that which maybe even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, was not reserved. Now we're able to save. Hey, hold on a second. Hey, guys, five minutes, Leo. <laughs> My kids bang it. But, um, Makes it all more real. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's definitely real. This is real life. Right. But, but I think, you know, those type of things where, like, talking to our, our I don't want to say customers, more our family, like John and Vinny in L.A., they're, they're like, they're definitely two of the greatest people that I know. Um, because not only do they care about products, but they want to dive into it. And they want to learn how they can adapt, whether they're, you know, they got, uh, they have, um, well, not right now, I don't know what's going on with cross-country flights, but they did the first cross-country you know, meals, I think in 15 years or 20 years on, and they wanted our tomatoes on those flights and, and, and to do a, a pasta with it. Um, it. You know, working with them on, okay, well, which tomato? So maybe it's Sanja. Which, which place are you referring to, Chris? Uh, John and Vinny's in, in, in Los Angeles. Is that the name of the restaurant? Yeah, John, John and Vinny's. Yeah, well, they have Animal, they have, you know, a lot of the restaurants, but John oh, and Vinny's. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're on Fairfax, but but again, great food, but better again. Like most times, they're even better human beings that want to dive into what makes good things good. They, you know, we've grown with them. Uh, they've came up for harvest, you know, uh, you know, uh, and I think when you share something, you know, even like uh, the the process and the challenge with people, all of a sudden, you know, our tomatoes aren't the cheapest. It, they're incredible value when you understand their journey and what makes it in the can and the struggle. But we also understand that part of what we try to do is okay. If we can take the, the broken, perfect ones, you know, and make these, this rustic crutch or even a passata, um, uh, maybe the economic side can be translated to the customer. Whereas no, there's not a compromise, you know, like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the the whole peeled might be the Cadillac, but the you know, but the Volkswagen bug that is the crush is still of worth and great value. It's just it's just maybe on the economic side that we're able to give them a you know a, you know where we gain you know an opportunity to for a cost we pass it on to the consumer. Um, I think we lost you there for a sec, Chris. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, okay, I'm back. Yeah, real life again. <laughs> yeah, real life. Real, I'm on my phone. Here. When I but met Chris, when I, when I met Chris, I was the one that had the kids, and he was a single man. It's right. fun now. Now mine's is all know, grown I up, like and he's got thing. three running yeah. around. Yeah, and, and and it's funny that you as you were saying that, I was thinking a similar thing that that this this is a journey. You keep mentioning that this is a journey, journey of the tomatoes, but a journey of you guys, and it's and it's been an interesting journey because you now you're kind of both 10 years deeper into it. So your lives have moved on. Your kids are all grown up. Your kids are coming up now and, and, and emerging and we're getting to see the next generation, you know, right behind you and hear them. And that's great. Uh, and so what, what this evokes for me is the fact that, that both of you seem to have a commitment and this may be part of what brought you together, a commitment to legacy that you're, you want to leave this world a no better doubt. place than you found it each in your own area of expertise or talents. And, and then, Every once in a while, we get lucky enough to find someone who we can build legacies together with that are even more than the sum of those parts. And it seems yeah. like in this instance, you know, with the with the the brands of tomatoes and the extending lines of different ways that people now can get them, that you have created a legacy product that 
could be also yeah. influencing, you know, the rest yeah, of the I'd, I'd like to mention about that because I've got a few years on Chris and 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 unfortunately, you know, in this epidemic and the and the challenge that they've had, Chris is really on the front line. I I'm I'm a bit insulated. You know, we process our tomatoes once a year, we put them in the warehouse. Um and, and I watch this and I've told Chris several times, I said, we want to make sure that this business is here for his three kids and, and to carry on. It's way too important. Um, uh, you know, things have fallen into place every, every time. We haven't rushed them. Um, we've created a product when we needed to create a product and held on to a customer. And now I see with a lot of optimism, the uh, Chris's reputation being transferred into home chefs and, and the, the small, the uh, Forno Bravo, for instance, putting these, these ovens in the homes of of, of people that are that are inspired they've got they've got blue collar white collar jobs and what they really are passionate about is going home and making pizza and we see it on instagram and the post and i said that the opportunity is 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 wonderful you know and and i'm inspired all the time when people show that you know they can now get our retail cans we're we're going to be into whole foods in october 1st across the united states and it'll give us an opportunity to support those people that have eaten at chris's restaurant and now want to go home and make pizza and now chris and his family will be able to reap some of the benefits of all that hard work and and i mean chris chris created you know in in a way and i know he's been modest about it but he really has created that passion in people they they make pilgrimages out to see and 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 eat a pizzeria bianco and then they're blown away when chris happens to walk in and spend five or ten minutes sometimes 30 minutes talking with them at their table um, you know, and, and they go home inspired and I see it, you know, I, I see now them trying to get a hold of where can I get the product and I, I just think as a, as a final step in my uh, twilight years, if we can, if we've got enough momentum, the rewards should be reaped not only for Chris's family and for my son, but also for the farmers and, and those people that are now canning the tomatoes and putting yeah. the basil leaf in the can and I think that's the legacy that's worth um, everything. And it's been in my second half of my career that that I've been blessed, you know, to have experienced not only to build a legacy, but to meet all these wonderful chefs that Chris has mentioned uh, that have supported us all over the United States. It's been incredible. And they usually point to Chris and, and say, what's he like when you pick him up at the airport? You know, <laughs> what's he, you know, uh, is he like he is on YouTube? You know, everyone says, hey, he's really a real person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of fun together. It's fulfilled my career. Um, and well, I, my, I think my this is a, a great place to, to sort of end today's conversation because we're running out of time. But you guys both know you're always welcome back. We'd love to have you guys back as often as you're able to join us because this conversation could go on for hours and hours. And I think the people who, who tune into Pizza Talk, you know, want to hear even more than what we covered today, which was substantial. But So I want to thank you both for, for that. Chris, did you have uh, something you want to say? No, I was just saying, uh, you know, thank you. And the one, one thing I'll, I'll say before we go real quickly is, you know, just two points, if I could make two quickly, it's is one is what I found with farmers, you know, and God bless them right now. I mean, their struggle is, is there is anything as their options and their options have been limited. I would say the last 50 years to commodity product to, 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 you know, to make, to, to be the, at the mercy of size and color and weight and all these other things that have challenged them to really connect with, um, 
doing something that was truly optimal for the earth or for the end user. And now what we find was like, if you idiots will buy them, we'll grow them. You know, we'll, we'll do it. They're, 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 they're trying to make the bit to do something better because they have legacies. They have family. Yes. They want to do something that, that, that is better. And the, the last thing is, you know, the thing about people making pizza at home and all that, like, you'll find your pizza at home, it will always be as good or better than mine. You know, the reason we go to restaurants or other people's homes or houses is experience the hospitality. And that's why it's easy for us to share recipes and, you know, pizzas. There's, there's a million that are, that are great out there in the world. But hopefully when we get through this, we'll learn to share each other's company and, and experience. And that we'll, we'll find, which was always worth not being blindfolded for. So God bless you. Thank you. Peter and, and Rob, you know, I love you. Yeah, and, uh, th thanks. Thanks, Peter, for all you. you do for the industry. It's an honor to be here on the uh, sharing a screen with you today and talking about these things. I look forward to continuing it, you know, for years to come. Uh, twilight years or not, we've still got an act three ahead of us, Rob. The twilight <laughs> years are the You're twilight still in act two, Chris. You've got plenty of acts ahead. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for joining us on Pizza Talk today. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the next episode. And who knows who we'll have next time. But we'll have you guys back as soon as possible. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, fellas. See okay. you guys. Peace. Bye, yeah. Chris. <laughs> nice one. God bless you guys. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.